Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show. Our topic today is the spiritual practice of listening, and we will be discussing how deep listening to ourselves, our source, and to each other can be the key to healthy relationships and spiritual transformation. My guest today is Kay Lindahl, the founder of The Listening Center, which designs and presents classes, retreats, and programs nationally and internationally on the sacred art of listening. Kay is an ordained interfaith minister and has been active in many national and international interfaith organizations, as well as the chair of Spiritual Listening Division of the Global Listening Center. Kay is the author of several books, including The Sacred Art of Listening, Practicing the Sacred Art of Listening, How Does God Listen?, and she co-edited Women, Women, Spirituality, and Transformative Leadership, Where Grace Meets Power. Her website is sacredlistening.com. Welcome, Kay Lindahl. I'm delighted to have you with me on the Yoga Hour today. Hello. It's a blessing to be with you this today. I'm so happy. Mm. Oh, wonderful. So before we begin our dialogue about the spiritual practice of listening, let's begin with a moment of contemplation. So let's just take this moment out of our busy day and pay attention for a moment to our bodies and where we are in space, whatever we're doing, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, driving in a car, just feeling our bodies in space and feeling whatever surfaces are supporting us. And then turn your attention to your breath. It's this wonderful tool that's always with us that helps bring us into the here and now. So just notice as you inhale and exhale, not trying to change the natural rhythm of the breath, just noticing. Notice on the inhale, the cool air entering the nostrils. And on the exhale, the warm air flowing out. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate. Taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's Book of Inspirations, 
living for the sake of the soul. Love's persistence overcomes despair's insistence that our simple acts of loving kindness are not sufficient. Love's persistence overcomes despair's insistence that our simple acts of loving kindness are not sufficient. Once our innate divinity is revealed, we spontaneously act in accordance with it. True revelation purifies heart and mind and spontaneous goodness pours forth like a mountain stream after a snowmelt in spring. Once again, Kay Lindahl, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm delighted to have you as a guest on the show. I thought that listening was a great topic to discuss, especially as we were just on the cusp of uh, the beginning of fall. should start in just a few days. And to me, fall is the beginning of a time turning inward. I was, a touched, I was touched by the story you told at the beginning of your book, The Sacred Art of Listening, about having your grandson be born at virtually the same time that your mother was dying. Although that happened many years ago now, and I believe your, your grandson actually must be a teenager by now, would you share that story with our listeners? I just thought it was a really um, one of those amazing just juxtapositions that sometimes happen in life. Yes, I'd love to share that story, uh, and it has been a while. Uh, that grandson is actually now in his second year of grad school. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, time goes by very quickly. Um, but this was this happened um, as I many years ago now, and it was my my elder son and his wife were just celebrating the birth of their first child, and I was my sister and I were with my mother as she was completing her life's journey on this planet. And it was, it, was the, it was the juxtaposition of those two things just caused me to do some deep reflection. Two weeks before um, the Ryan, the baby, was born, we were celebrating my mother's 90th birthday. And we had this wonderful party for her of uh, fa family members and her two or three, I think it was three of her brothers and sisters were there. She was, she was the oldest of nine. And uh, so we had this great party and we were just getting ready to leave when all of a sudden we heard this tapping on the glass as someone wants to speak. And we turned around and looked, it was my mother. Now this was a big surprise to both my sister and me because it was my dad who always used to do all the talking at events <laughs> and everything. And my mother never, never did. And so she, we all sat down and she stood up with her red hat on, I can still see her. Mm. And she, she said, thank you for coming. It's been a wonderful party and I'll see you on the other side. And we all sort of just were stunned by what she said. And then she sat down and we sort of, there was this moment of silence because, and we wondered, did, did she really know what she was saying? Right. Or was that just some slip of the tongue that she had said something like that? But as it turns out, she did know what she was saying because within 10 days of that, she was in the hospital and then she died when uh, Ryan was um, eight days old. Mm. So it was, it was just that uh, amazing knowing somehow that she had about what was coming up for her. 
And so when she was in the hospital, I spent quite a bit of time with her. And one day she said, she looked kind of restless. And I went closer up to her and I said, mom, I said, what do you need or what do you want? And she said, I want to go through that door. And I looked at her and I said, what door? And she said, she pointed to the wall behind me, which was blank. And she said, that door, the one over there. And I must have looked kind of puzzled because she turned to look to me and she said, that doesn't make any sense, does it? And I said, well, you know, mom, not right now, but I think, you know, once once you know what's behind that door, it's going to make all the sense in the world. Mm. And it just, it was that kind of thing. And I became so aware of the circle of life at that moment and in throughout this whole process of how the, my grandson was being born and my mother was dying. And there was this, this sense of this completeness of this circle of, of being very ple- present in that moment. And then I started reflecting on the whole notion of time because time is, was part of that equation for me. And it was like, so we always think about, at least I do, I think about, you know, how do, I never have enough time. What am I going to, how much time do I have to give to this? Where is the time going to go? The time seems to be going by so much more quickly these days. And it goes on and on and on. And then I, I started thinking more about it. And I realized how that time is not a straight line, that we don't live time in this straight line world. We live time in a sort of circular world and that we all enter that circle at, at certain points. And then we, we're in that circle of life for a while, and then we leave that circle of life. And right. it's more of that kind of cyclical thing. And so then I started thinking, well, what is it then to be fully alive? And in that, being fully alive means being fully present, being really fully present to life in each moment. And so rather than being caught in the past, you know, all the I should haves or in the future, someday I will, that we're in that present moment. And that, to me, that has a lot to do about about the the listening aspect of life, being present, being aware, being awake to that life, and being my being present with my mother in those final days was we didn't say a whole lot. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot of words. We were just there with each other, and there was something really quite wonderful that happened in those moments. There was there was communication of, on a whole different level of being present with her as she was going through the process of leaving this life. Mm-hmm. So, and so the book is, is really came out of my reflections on that. And, and th- this whole experience was part of, part of how the, the listening center came to be was that was that, that notion that being aware of and being awake to the value of being present in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's quite a story. That's uh, no, I was, I was struck by it in the book, but even more so in, in hearing you tell it. Thank you. So the title of your book refers to listening as a sacred art. So just say more about this. How is listening sacred, and how is it an art? Yeah, I I would like to sort of back up just a little bit before I get to respond directly to those questions, uh-huh. because I think sometimes uh, in our culture. We, we, if we think of communication as having two major components, one is speaking and the other one is listening, right. that speaking is the one that gets the most attention and seems right. to be, be the most valued in our culture. And we always talk about, wasn't that a great speech? Didn't that person say some of these wonderful words? We never think about, wow, I really like the way people were listening. Or did you, you were really listening to me very intently. We don't say that. We might even think that sometimes. We don't say that the way we do about speaking. Right. And, 
And yet the listening, I think the listening is really the most important element of, of communication. And there's a, a, a Quaker by the name of Douglas Steer who says, to listen another soul into a condition of disclosure and discovery may be almost the greatest service one human being ever performs for another. Wow. And so for me, that's profound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's about the quality of our listening, mm -hmm. that the quality of our listening can impact any conversation. So I just want to put that out there as sort of a, an overall frame or context for talking about listening as a sacred art. And yeah, no, absolutely. That's excellent. And, uh, and you're right. I mean, we are so much more focused on the doing part than the being part. And, uh, you know, the, the being part has a lot to do with, with presence, as you were saying, with, you know, with the being present. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, then my work, as it turns out over these 22 years now that I've been doing it, 23, uh, it, it turns out that it's much more about preparing people how to listen. And mm -hmm. so instead of teaching, teaching listening skills directly per se, but it's like, it's teaching people, how do you prepare to listen? What mm -hmm. is it? Because we think about preparing to speak. We do all kinds of things when we think about, I'm going to prepare to speak. I'm going to, you know, I have to give a speech. I'm going to look at things up and I'm going to write it out and I'm going to practice and all that. But mm -hmm. how, how about preparing to listen? What do we, what can we do to, to help ourselves become this more uh, effective listener? And I've come to use the term be, we, becoming a listening presence that the sacred art of listening is about becoming a listening presence. And a listening presence is a way of being in which we offer the space, we provide the space with, for someone to speak authentically and know that they are being heard by, our, by stillness and attentiveness. Mm. So by providing our own attentiveness and stillness, we open up that space for someone else to speak and, and be, know that they are being heard. And it's, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say yes. And in so often, instead of really listening, um, we're, uh, you know, instead of providing that space for people to be heard, we're actually planning what we're going to say as soon as this person stops speaking. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and, and as far as the listening becoming, being a sacred art, I think the best way to describe that is to have uh, invite everyone who's listening to think about a time when someone was really listening to them, that they knew that they weren't thinking about what they were going to say next or what, they, what was on their to-do list or what, where they were going to go next. They were simply present with you. They were simply there listening to you. And when I ask people to find those moments, they have sometimes have to think a while and oftentimes one, one particular one will come up because these are the conversations we treasure. And when, what it's like, people tell me it's like, it's refreshing, it's validating. It's really, they feel that, they, that someone is really getting who they are. They're not, um, they're, they're paying attention to them so that they can really just fully express themselves. And they find themselves saying things they might not have said if we hadn't been listening in the way we were listening to them. Mm -hmm. And I call that sacred. Those moments are sacred. They're or holy or spiritual. There's, there's something else present when two people listen to each other in that way that is beyond the individuals, the two individuals. And that's that presence is what I call sacred. 
And that's, that becomes the sacred aspect of listening. So. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's lovely. Um, I also, as I was reading your book, I was struck by, you know, the way that you talk about sort of three different, I don't know if you use it, you would use this word, but you know, levels of listening or sort of, you know, spaces of listening, you know, where there's inner, you know, listening, uh, to our source mm -hmm. and then there's, um, inner listening to ourselves, Yes. You know, to hear, you know, what's important. And so I really appreciated how you expanded this idea of listening when you, and most people would say listening, they would just think about it in a conversation, you know, like I'm, you know, yeah. listening to another person speak, mm -hmm. but I, I really felt that it was added, um, a lovely, um, you know, kind of more global context to say, you know, no, we listen in all these different contexts. We listen to, you know, we listen to God or our source. We listen to ourselves, you know, inner, and, and your book, of course, has practices, you know, for all of these, uh, for each of the different levels of listening. Right. Yeah. And I, I also think in terms of that, there's this, the art of listening is that uh, art is a word that we use a lot for, you know, usually thinking of either the visual arts or literature or dance or some kind of thing like that. But we also sometimes talk about it as the art of speaking, the art of medicine, the mm -hmm. art of preaching, the art of teaching. And so what is it about those those things that makes it into an art? And after all these years, I think what I what I come up with is very simple. It's about an at oneness. It's like we are at one with whatever it is that mm -hmm. we're engaging in. And that being at one with is what, for me, turns it into an art. Mm. So we shift from something that, we, that we're doing, an act, something we do, to something that's an art, something that we be. We have to be in that presence. We have to be that listening presence. We don't do that listening presence. We be it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Um, I was going to, you know, mention another thing that you say in the book, which is you describe listening as a creative force that teaches patience. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought that was just really beautiful. So listening as a creative force that teaches patience. So can you say more about that? Yes. Listening in this, the deep listening is, is, uh, takes time and, and it's, it's not something that happens quickly often. It's just, it, 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 it's this, notion of getting to know the voice of your own voice, that reflective listening that I call it. It takes time to get in touch with that, with that voice. And so I think that there's, there's some element of patience. We have to be patient with ourselves, be patient with other people as we listen to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so often when someone's speaking, we jump right in and say something as soon as they're done or sometimes even before they're finished. And so they, a person never really gets a chance to expand on what it is that they were saying. And so we just move right on with the conversation. But there's another uh, kind of a wonderful story that uh, I really like that was told by a woman named Brenda Euland. She was a writer and a journalist, uh, and she was telling the story about her father uh, and her the, their relationship. And she said that her father was this bright, witty raconteur, just could tell stories up and down every every time he opened his mouth, there would be a story coming out. And that he was just this delightful person. However, as a father, she felt that there were, she'd never really, he never really got to know her because mm -hmm. he was always talking and always telling stories and never really asking her 
about her life. And that they, ne they never quite resolved that. And one day she, after her father had passed, she got a phone call from a, a friend of her dad's. And he called her and he said, Brenda, he said, you know how your dad was? He was just this great, wonderful, witty person. But I know you and he didn't have a very good relationship. And I'm afraid I'm, that's what's happening with me, with my children right now. And so she said that, well, why don't we get together? And so they did. The two of them got together. They had uh, for a weekend, and they they the first two days, she spent walking around with him, and he talked and he talked and he talked and he talked, and she he finally she said to him, you know, this is you've been talking to me for two days, and and you haven't asked me how my life is going. She said, I think maybe that's what it is for you with your family and your children, that you haven't paid attention to them. And so he, he was stopped dead in his tracks because he, he, he heard some truth in that. Right. And so, so he went back and she heard back from him later. And she said, he, he, he said, I discovered what wise, courageous children I had and how accomplished they were. And my wife is so funny. We had just, you know, she, he got, just got to appreciate his family in a whole mm -hmm. new way. So the patience that came from, from Brenda waiting for him to finally get to ask. And then he then had the patience, learned how to have patience to stop talking and listen to his family members and develop the relationships with him that were so important to him. Mm -hmm. So as this story shows, and as you you know point out in the book, listening is something that we do every day, but that we often don't do it well. And I actually really enjoyed the statistics. Um, this is you know, kind of the one area that I that I really pulled for our talk from your other book, Practicing the Sacred Art of Listening, that we spend about 45% of our waking hours listening. It's almost like half of our waking hours we're listening, and yet we are distracted, preoccupied, or forgetful about 75% of that time. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> Those are amazing statistics, but it really fits with my own experience. Yeah. And also, also as a physician, it's been really interesting to me that the most common complaint about doctors in America is that my doctor doesn't listen to me. And I think that's just so interesting, given that I've never seen a doctor walk into an exam room like with their hands over their ears or go like, no, 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 but but it's the way you're what you're pointing to. It's the distraction, the preoccupation, the forgetfulness, you know, not really being present, you know, for that conversation. So what does deep listening bring to a relationship like the doctor patient relationship or really any personal relationship? Yes, it it really um, that you just raised the the very interesting point. It's it's really not about being present when you when you're distracted. You know, you're you're just not not in that in that moment. And I think what that deep listening brings is is trust. It just opens up this whole area of trust. If someone's really listening to me, I trust that them, and I look because they they heard me. And so once somebody really listens to you, then that you develop that relationship, you develop that connection, that human, that heart connection. I think deep listening moves us from the head to the heart. Mm -hmm. Because so often when we, when we respond quickly, this is, leads us also about patience, when we respond really quickly, we're speaking from our heads and rather than from our hearts. And we're connecting at the head level, which there's nothing wrong with that because that's part of life too. It's just if we want to have these deeper listening conversations, they go much 
um, they go deeper. <laughs> they mm-hmm. go into that place where we really feel uh, that 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 oneness, that sense of oneness with another person. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's you know again getting back to what I was asking earlier about this you know idea of listening as creativity. You know, listening as what was it? Listening as a creative force that teaches patience. So that's interesting to think about it as creative, right? Creating something. But in order to have that type of listening, you really can't, you know, have an agenda or be off, you know, in your head, preoccupied, you know, doing something else. It ca- it calls on us to have that presence, right? Exactly. And it, it, that's, it's, it's really hard in our culture to do that because we're inundated with all kinds of distractions all the time. Uh, especially now with social media and, and uh, the, the ease with which we can communicate with people 24-7. And I think that it's like we need to take a break from that from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's, and we also have this, this notion that we, we can multitask and get more than one thing done at a time always. And yet there is, people tell us, neuroscience tells us that there is no such thing really as multitasking. Our brains can't do two things at exactly the same time. They just do several, they do things sequentially very rapidly. So it wears us out. And no wonder we're tired all the time because we're trying to do so many things at the same time when we really can't do that. So I had a friend that came up with the idea, well, that we need to do unitasking Let's let's make a new thing instead of doing multitasking. Tell people I, I'm I'm unitasking right now, so I cannot do, be with you at this point. You know? That's great unitasking. I like that because the studies, as you said, do show that you know when you're doing multiple things, you're actually not doing anything particularly well. You know, so yeah. it, it really you know encourages people to, if you look at the research, you know, of like the, you know, their ability to perform on task, you know, not to mention the listening, you know, that we're talking about. I mean, you can't multitask when you're listening. It just doesn't work. And with that, unbelievably, we've already, uh, we've come to the break. Um, You're listening to the yoga hour with our guest, Kay Lindahl. Kay Lindahl is the founder of the Listening Center which designs and presents classes, retreats, and programs nationally and internationally on the sacred art of listening. She's the author of several books, including the one we're discussing today, The Sacred Art of Listening. Her website is sacredlistening.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about listening as a sacred practice. We'll we'll be right back. Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yoga Charya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back from the break. We're talking with Kay Lindahl, and our topic is listening as a sacred practice. 
So, Kay, um, you and I were just chatting off the air about this, but um, I have gone through as a physician uh, several courses on communication myself, and I really appreciated your, you know, your point of view in the book that uh, this is a quote, effective listening is often conceived in technical terms that have little or no grounding in what is spiritual. And I, you know, <laughs> this just really spoke to me because as I was mentioning to you off the air, you know, um, take, you know, reducing listening to some like tips and tricks really removes it from this sacred context and from that creative context, you know, that, that we were talking about. Um, and, you know, this, this, um, larger, um, importance of listening, it minimizes it in a way. Yes. And and I, there's, I, I, again, want to, I think some of the work that's been done in terms of, of communication studies and and skills and in communicating is really good. And some of the the practices that have a really good, but I think they, there is a missing and that missing has to do in my, my work, I would say it has to do with the preparation of being, getting comfortable with silence, learning your, how to know your inner voice and becoming that listening presence. That's the spiritual aspect that is not talked about when, it, when it's all these different skills and techniques that, that, are, that are good. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just when you, when you, when you come at them from a place of preparation in the, in the spiritual preparation that I talk about, then they, they are even more effective. I think there's a longer lasting uh, impact of the of the tools and techniques for listening than if you if you just come at them from a, a technical point of view. Oh yeah, I absolutely don't want to say anything you know negative about the you know the 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 techniques themselves. I mean, I you know I use many of them, but if you don't, if you're missing that context of the presence, mm-hmm. you know, if and there is something I think that's very. Um, attractive to physicians about the, there is a sacredness of the, the doctor patient relationship that most people know about. And so, you know, when you're talking about things that doesn't include that aspect, I just think it's, um, as I said, just really reductionistic. Yes. So, um, you describe in the book three qualities that are essential to this deep listening context. And those three qualities are silence, reflection and presence. So I wanted to turn our attention to those as I I really appreciated those. So um, let's start with silence. You write, silence creates the space for listening to God. So I I also appreciated that. I've I've attended several silent retreats and have found the practice of silence to be so enriching personally and spiritually. Yet, as you point out, there's this discomfort with silence in our culture. You write, notice what happens in daily conversation. It is as though there's an unwritten rule that whenever there's a hint of silence, someone must immediately, you didn't say immediately, someone must fill the vacuum with a rush of words. Mm -hmm. We start to talk faster and faster. Listening quickly takes a backseat to talking. So Mm -hmm. I, I totally have experienced this as I think, you know, most of our listeners, you know, have that, um, you know, this thing about silence, you know, in a, um, in a conversation and there's almost, um, there has to be a level of trust, um, and I don't know, a willingness, I guess, to tolerate that. And that's to me, one of the ways that I know that I'm talking to a real friend, you know, is if there can be silence, you know, in the conversation, if there can be a pause that doesn't need to be like, no one needs to jump in and fill it. 
right? Exactly. Yeah. And this, this is why the, the practice of silence is so important. And it's one of the key things, I think, in becoming effective listener is to be comfortable with silence. And how you become, become comfortable with silence is to practice it. And what I suggest to people is that they start with just one minute a day. Mm. Because uh, so oftentimes people think, that you have to start with a longer period, like 20 or 30 minutes. And that just seems overwhelming to most people in, in this, the world we live in now. Whereas if I just say, take one minute and just be intentionally silent for that minute and see what you notice. And people who do this find that they, they, they hear, like one, one person did this and he, he called me back and he said, I heard birds. I haven't heard birds in years. Mm. But he, and they've been there. He just hadn't heard them because he hadn't been in the, been comfortable enough with the silent, taking the time to be quiet, to be in that that silent place. And I think that that that's what uh, you're so right in that when when someone doesn't jump right in, it's kind of it, you feel treasured in a way that they 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 don't feel the need to fill in that space. They're waiting, and one of the um, exercises that I suggest people do is that when someone stops talking, that they wait two or three or four seconds before they speak. So that person has a chance to sort of even for themselves to digest what they've just said and see if there's anything else. Or one of the other things I suggest, which I think is a really powerful tool, is when someone stops speaking to say, is there anything else? Mm -hmm. And then wait. And in that waiting, not to be thinking about, I hope she doesn't say anything or, you know, uh, I, I really want to tell her this or that, but just to be in that, that listening presence waiting. Mm -hmm. uh, just for, and I'm, I'm just talking two or three or four seconds. It's not a long period of time. And it's enough time for that person to maybe say, yeah, I do have something else to say. And then they say it or they'll say, no, that's it. I'm done. But it just honors people by, by uh, uh, inviting them to take that time to wait and see and not interrupt. Mm -hmm. So in the quote that I shared earlier, silence creates the space for listening to God. Um, I think one of the things that you recommend is, um, is uh, a, a journal. Am I remembering that right? That's um, correct. Yes. Yes. I I think sometimes some people, you know, it's different for all of us. We each have different ways of, of, of accessing this. And for some people, writing really works well. For other people, music works well. For other people, action works well. So it's just finding out what works well for you to access that place of stillness and, and silence in which we can listen to God. Right. And here on the Yoga Hour, we always have meditation at the top of our list, you know, is that that um, not meditation as like intentionally trying to silence our thoughts, which some people have, you know, <laughs> somehow, right. you know, gotten this this idea that meditation is is. Um, you know, is you're, you're not supposed to be thinking and they feel like a failure if they sit and they, you know, right. hear their thoughts. But um, oftentimes just bringing your attention to um, to a uh, to something to focus on, you know, which like I used in, in the beginning of the um, the show, our breath can be really a great tool that way. So just focusing on our breath, noticing thoughts, you know, as they may arise, um, but not necessarily engaging with them, just saying, oh, you know, and coming back to the breath. Exactly. Um, every time, you know, they get distracted. Um, it, and it's such a good, pr pr good practice for becoming a, a more effective listener. Mm. 
it just it I, I I can't say enough about the practice of silence and and there there are people who take on this minute of silence and they find that if they do it during the day sometimes they will do it at, during their work day and for whatever issue has been coming up before then they take a minute that they haven't been able to figure out what to do and they take this minute of silence then afterwards they are they seem to be able to find solutions easily they just whatever they were struggling with is no longer a struggle it seems mm -hmm. to to happen it's just it's like a reset of the brain and it, it, i think in neuroscience always is also showing that all this time that we spend on the screens does does impact uh, the wiring in our brain and sometimes silence it helps us to to get back to our reset button and gets back to that calmer place or yeah. an and another way that someone has said it to me, it's like when you used to, and the AM station, when you when you go finding on the, in the old days, <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you were tuning in on the radio and you'd get all this static and then you found the station, then the right. static went away. And so it's like getting to that place where you're tuned in. Mm -hmm. uh, and silence leads us to that place. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked about, you know, silence and that, you know, kind of, um, space of listening to our source, to our, you know, to our deepest, you know, uh, spirituality, however people can describe that. The right. second, the second, you know, uh, um, quality that you talked about was reflection. Mm -hmm. uh, second quality for, that is essential for deep listening. And that is listening to ourselves. Yeah. So you describe reflection as giving us access to listening for our own inner voice. So are, is there anything else? I know we've talked a little bit and the journal was kind of around this. Are there any um, other suggestions you have for bringing reflection into our lives? Yes, I think that reflection is learning to listen to your voice, your own voice, your inner voice. And once we learn to uh, get to know that voice better, it helps us when we know when it's time to speak and when it's time to listen. It gives us access to listening, another level of access to listening when we get to know what our own voice is, how we access that. And one of the ways to do that is to ask yourself a question. And the question is, what wants to be said next? Rather than what do I want to say next? It just, it shifts the 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 response that you have because if you're coming like well what do I want to say next that's again it comes pretty much off the off the top off mm -hmm. your head from your head whereas you reflect for a moment and you say well what wants to be said next mm -hmm. let me think about that huh mm -hmm. then you 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 de you go down a little bit deeper and then whatever comes out comes from that deeper place rather than and and that's that's the voice that's your voice you get to know your own voice that way. And you can, it, it can be done it, individually. It can also be done in groups. You get to know the voice of a group by asking that question. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I just want to go back to silence for a minute because something just came up. That sometimes in, in, a, in, a, in a group setting, you can start the groups with silence, which you do for this program, which is wonderful. And, and just sort of, again, to get that reset button for the whole group, just start with silence or have a norm in the group that anytime someone says something that that someone feels is is really needs to be honored with a moment of silence that we say oh let's have a moment of silence mm. and this just let that sink in or sometimes when i'm facilitating a group i'll just sense that it's time for some something needs to happen and we don't know what it is so let's have some silence for a minute mm. and that that helps us to get to another place the, the back to the reflection i think this this whole notion of uh, 
just sort of waiting for that response to come through from yourself. Again, it's patience because mm -hmm. we're not used to getting in touch with that voice. And mm -hmm. so it's to take some time sometimes for that voice to appear. Mm. Yeah, it's just really, really lovely. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. So the third quality, we talked about silence, talked about reflection. And then the third quality that's essential to deep listening is presence, which we've talked a little bit about in the first, you know, segment, the okay. difference between, you know, heart listening and, uh, and um, just, you know, the exchange of information kind of on a more superficial level, which, you know, of course, there's a need to do that sometimes. So I'm not saying don't do that, but, you know, but how to, you know, how to go deeper. And I guess what I wanted, you know, to ask you is, you know, what, what have you seen or heard from people that you've worked with, you know, and, and how is this practice of deeper listening transformative for them? How have you seen that? Well, is most of I, I was fascinated with that question because I really made me think <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, about what what how, what have I noticed? And so, what I'm doing is I'm teaching people how to prepare to listen, and so they take this home, and they take this to their work, and they take this out to their community. So I don't get to see particularly the end result of this in their mm -hmm. lives. So I can only speak to, you know, things that, that happen in, in my own life uh, or that things, things that have happened in workshops that I've done. And, sure. and so from in, in the workshops, I know that I do this exercise that, that encompasses both all, all three, silence, reflection, and presence. And in the course of this, this little exercise, people um, practice stillness and then they, they practice reflection and then they, they practice listening to other people. So it all happens and it's kind of intimate and, and yet people really love this. This is the highlight of all the work I do. Whenever I get evaluations, they love this exercise. It's called the listening stick exercise. And this one woman said, I, when, when you first started describing this exercise and we started doing, I knew I couldn't do anything. I wasn't even going to be able to participate. I knew I, nothing was, I, I couldn't relate to it at all. So she was like, the, they were, and they're in groups of small groups of four or five. And no bigger. And so she was like the third or fourth person. She said, by the time it came to me, I really thought, well, I think I can do this. So she participated. And what she got was she said, I came up out of this reflection moment. I came up with the idea that I was not in touch with the creativity in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've been yearning for, but I didn't have words for it even. So she was able to see something that she knew was missing in her life, but she wasn't able to access it, except then it came out through this practice of reflection, of just really mm -hmm. taking the time to, to just stop and see what was there and then go out. Mm -hmm. So that's a great, that's a great example. And, and just as I reflect on, on this conversation and, you know, the work that you have done in the world, um, it's not a stretch to say that this really is transformative, has the potential to be really transformative. And, and you do ask, you know, sometimes in your book, like, what would the world be like, you know, yeah. if, if people really listened like this? Um, and I, I think it would be a different world <laughs> than the one we're in. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, there, there's a Sufi saying that I really, that sort of relates to this too. And, and they say, before you speak, ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Mm -hmm. And only when the answer to all three of these is yes, is it better to speak than listen? <laughs> and and it, it, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? 
there'd be a lot less conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least the kind that we're having right now right. Uh, as a society. <laughs> yeah. And those really touch on uh, some of the ethical principles that yoga sets out. So um, the you know, ethical principle of um, harmlessness, uh, ahimsa, the one that Gandhi is, is uh, famous for, um, which sometimes gets translated as nonviolence, but it really goes beyond that. It's really, like you were saying, kindness yeah. <laughs> is it is kind. And of course, truth, you know, tr truthfulness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, these are, you know, these are you know, straight out of the yoga sutras. You know, these are, you know, principles of ethical principles of how to live our lives. So, yeah. Um, so, I, I really enjoyed um, this one section of your book, um, the chapter nine, listening for connection. And you share 12 different versions of the golden rule because uh, listeners may have forgotten, but one of the things that's in your background is you've done a lot of interfaith work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I really, um, I mean, this is uh, CSE center for spiritual enlightenment, which is the um, sponsor of this program uh, and was you know founded by Yogacharya O'Brien it is really an interfaith center and and this is you know kind of the the um the you know one of the bedrock things you know is is just to realize that this golden rule is something that is in all faith traditions which i think is really cool so would you would you share a few of those different you know versions of the golden rule and and share which tradition that that they came from yeah i'd i'd love to do that and it's a beautiful segue from what we just said too and um uh, and as I was uh, looking at this again the other day, I thought I found the the the, the connections between the religions is fascinating. So, the do unto others as you would have others do unto you is the is the version as expressed by Christianity, and Confucianism says do not do unto others what you do not want others to do unto you. Mm -hmm. Same words almost, just mm -hmm. slightly different version. Um, and then Hinduism is. Do not do to others that which, if done to you, would cause you pain. Mm. And Buddhism, ha hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. I found those two interesting to, to connection. Mm -hmm. Then Islam uh, is none of you truly have the faith if you do not desire for your brother that which you desire for yourself. Mm. And Jainism is in happiness and suffering in joy and grief, we should regard all creatures as we regard our own self. Then Judaism is, um, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah. All the mm -hmm. rest is commentary. Mm -hmm. And then in Sikhism, don't create enmity with anyone as God is within everyone. Then we have the Native American respect for all life is the foundation, and Wiccan is if harm if if it harm none, do what you will. Mm. I just think it it's so beautiful and uh, hopeful to realize how deep that teaching goes in all spiritual traditions. I think that's it's really cool. Yes, and and twenty five or thirty years ago, when I first started doing interfaith work. Uh, a friend of mine had developed this in a golden rule calendar. And I, I would, we would use this when we would make uh, presentations in various places. And people were stunned to find the commonality in all these religious traditions. It was, it, it's a wonderful teaching tool so that we realize that we have so much more in common than that which separates us. 
And that, you know, leads me to what I was going to ask you about next. So, you know, as you just mentioned, you know, we do have uh, so much more in common, you know, than what divides us. Um, And this, you know, what you just read, you know, the different uh, sayings um, from the, you know, the different spiritual traditions um, also is the central principle of yoga, which is that we are all one. We are all manifestations yeah. of the one, the one reality, you know, whether, whatever your name for that is, you know, God, uh, supreme consciousness, love, peace, we're all manifestations of that one reality. And it's within us, it's between us, and it's all around us, you know, yeah. so yeah. it's, it's, it's everywhere. Um, so, you know, off, however, I would say oftentimes in conversation, especially when we are talking with someone who holds a different view, you know, than the one that we hold, which in our polarized times, um, happens, you know, potentially pretty often. Um, do you have some recommendations about how we can better listen for what connects us? Yes, I think that that's one of the key issues, I think, of our time. Um, and uh, I have a, something called the Top 10 Listening Practices. and It's on my website. You can download it on my website, anybody who's interested in, in, in seeing the whole, all of them. But it, it really, one there's so many different ways to approach connecting with somebody else. And it's this preparation, a lot of it. But one of the first tips on that one is to stop talking. You know, one of the ways to connect with other people is to stop talking and listen to them. Uh, it's somebody, it's like we have two ears and one mouth. Maybe that's trying to tell us something. <laughs> that's <laughs> that we, we need to listen twice as much as we speak, at least. And then this, this whole idea of having a sense of curiosity and wonder about someone else and being able to let go of my own agenda while I'm listening to somebody else, especially in these polarizing situations, because we oftentimes in them, we listen thinking, if I just listen long enough, then they're gonna, go, they're gonna come around to my way of thinking. <laughs> right, or if I just and, talk at them long enough, they're exactly. gonna- Exactly, <laughs> either, either way, yeah. And it's just like, but really listening to them and just trying to understand, not to believe them, not to agree with what they're saying, if, if you don't, but just to see if you can understand where they're coming from and say, well, that's interesting. And now let go. Because so often we say, well, that's interesting, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then go on with our agenda. And so it's, it's it, and that takes practice to, to do that. And just, I, I keep catching myself and I'll just have to sort of, all of a sudden I realize that I've, I've gone off somewhere and I just, you know, say, oh, wait a minute, go back. Just listen, just listen, let go of that. And I, one of the top 10 is, know what your own hot buttons are. Because if I know that I'm going to be talking to somebody and I, and I, I know, I recognize, yes, I have a hot button. And when somebody says X, I tend to go off in this direction and I follow this path because I have an emotional attachment to this. And if I know that and that somebody else, somebody says that X, then I'll, I'll, if I'm really present, I can say, oh, okay, that's my hot button. Let go of it for now. Go back to listening to this person. That takes practice. Mm-hmm. There's a, 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 a quote that says, listening looks easy, but it's not simple. Every head is a world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, we've only got about another 30 seconds or so. So um, I just wanted to thank you. This is just a really wonderful you know, conversation. And um, 
you know, I've seen so many different parallels, you know, between your work and uh, my work, you know, uh, the yoga hour. It's just, yeah. uh, it's been, it's been a delightful conversation. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me. I love talking about my work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell. You've been listening to the yoga hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo co-host and producer of the show. And we've been discussing the spiritual practice of listening with our guest, Kay Lindahl. Kay is an interfaith minister and is the founder of the Listening Center, which designs and presents classes, retreats, and programs nationally and internationally on the sacred art of listening. And we've been talking about her book, The Sacred Art of Listening. You can find out more about her work and her teaching schedule at her website, sacredlistening.com. Tune in next time when the topic will be developing our spiritual intelligence. Yogacharya O'Brien's guest will be internationally known speaker and author, Sheikh Kabir Helminski. They will be discussing how our spiritual intelligence is a part of universal intelligence, guiding and supporting our lives in all ways. Yogacharya O'Brien continues uh, with her travel. Um, She is in... Uh, Italy and Germany over the next few weeks and will be in Encinitas, California on October 18th and 19th, offering programs at the Soul of Yoga and then at the Unity of Tustin on October 20th. Check her website at ellengraceobrien.com for details. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.